There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. Today on the podcast, we're going to be recapping this week's episode of The Real Houses of Salt Lake City and this week's episode of The Real Houses of Orange County. However, right off the bat, I got to discuss something that happened at the tail end of this week's episode of The Real Houses of Salt Lake City. Technically, it's a scene from next week's episode, but I need to discuss this for upwards of 45 minutes. So if you're driving, pull over and just take a listen. Again, this is a coming attraction for next week's episode of Salt Lake City Housewives. Take a listen. If I were to go for the jugular and talk about this the rumors and nastiness about her, well, what can do that? Do you I know think- what? You want me to go there with her husband? I can go there. Don't. With me. Okay. Tell her the off. <laughs> no. Now, I know there's no visual. So if you haven't seen that clip from next week's episode of The Real House of Salt Lake City and you just listen to it, you might be sitting in your car and saying to yourself, Danny, why did you just play a clip of 45 different people talking at once with various accents? And I'm here to tell you that that was just one person. Essentially, that was a monologue from Ms. Meredith Marks from The Real House of Salt Lake City doing a 100 different fucking accents in a 15-second clip. And I am obsessed with it. I'm obsessed with the way she says rumors, rumors. The rumors and nastiness about her. Rumors. And of course, the way she says husbands, she adds a bunch of syllables to husbands. So it's like, the husbands, the husbands. And then... And then at the very end, she gets the demon voice, completely different tone that we're used to. And all of a sudden, we hear demon Meredith Marks, and she's like, don't go after my family. (laughs) And it's so funny to me because she's talking to Lisa Barlow in that clip. And Lisa Barlow's got a pretty steady voice. You know, I love that. You know, her voice is pretty much one monotone way the whole time. I love that for me. Even in her tagline, Lisa is like, I'm on a mission to serve Lisa and I love that for myself. You know, it's like one, but then Meredith Marks comes in and just listening to that, you're on the edge of your seat. You're like, what accent is she going to do next? And I just, the rumors, the rumors, don't talk about my family. And it's like all happening at once. It's shocking how she's going from one to the next. It's a roller coaster ride. I swear I thought I was at the Six Flags because I was like, am I on a roller coaster ride? What accent is happening here? And we haven't even seen the scene. This is just a scene from next week's episode. I mean, this show is the most bonkers program I've ever seen. And of course, I'm reminded of Meredith Marks from last season when she ordered the Chardonnay. Remember, there was like a little bit of a Chardonnay slur when she ordered it. I think I'll have a Chardonnay. It's Chardonnay. And now we're getting the rumors. It's like all, everything's like a little slightly slurred. And I love that for her. And I love that for me too, because I sometimes feel like if I was on one of these shows, I'd probably have a little IV drip of subpoena Grecia myself. And so the words might be slurred. And who knows? I don't know. There are ketamine accusations too. I mean, I, I talked about ketamine last week on the show. A lot of you tell me it's the new Coke. 
And so, look, we might be having a tricutabine. And if that gets me on that level, then so be it. Because I am obsessed with that accent work that's happening with Meredith Marks and the Real House of Salt Lake City. The rumors. <laughs> and the nastiness. The rumors and nastiness about her. The rumors. And of course, it reminds me of uh, Lindsay Lohan singing that Rumors song. Remember her debut single, Rumors? Rumors. I need to be stopped. I need to be stopped. That's the Meredith Marks, Lindsay Lohan rumors edit. Oh my God, you guys. I just, I'm giggly today. Everything was making me laugh. This whole show's fucking nuts. And I can't wait to discuss it every week. Really, the Salt Lake City is just the most fun to recap because it's truly the time, most of my life, when I'm typing something and I'm saying like, I'm reading over the letters that I just typed in my notes for these shows. And I'm like, what the fuck just happened? I mean, even we got the taglines this week and we're going to go through these Salt Lake City taglines because like I said, uh, completely crazy. Lisa's I'm on a mission to serve Lisa. And I love that for myself. I think hers was my favorite probably. And then Heather Gay, hers is I own a beauty empire, so I don't need any of your lip service. I thought that was a good one. It feels like classic housewives to me, that one. Monica, the new housewife who I'm loving, loving her. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hers is, I keep my friends close, but my secret's closer. It's a little bland, but sometimes I think with the new season housewife, they got to do something bland. Because anything too out of the box is going to have too many uh, dissenting opinions about it. People are going to judge too fiercely for a new housewife. And so I think they always tend to do that with the new housewife. Then Meredith is uh, in a town full of dirty lies. Everyone can use a bath. She loves that bath. She's going to be doing a lot of bath work in this season. Then we have Angie, and hers is, I may be Greek, but don't expect an olive branch from me. She is leaning into the Greek of it all, and I love, I'm very proud of her, and I love that for her. However, it feels like in every scene, she's reminding us that she's Greek. She was holding the coffee mug that said I'm Greek, and she was talking about Greek. And it was a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot. Although Greek food is really, I mean... I'm going to have to get me some after this. I have a Greek uncle uh, who married into the family, and he's due to a Greek fest in Ohio, and uh, he's since passed. But the Greek fest he used to throw was just like the best fucking time every summer, and he would just have the greatest Greek food. Oh, my God. Northeast Ohio was the best time. Uh, Okay, so then Angie – we got to meet Angie's husband, too. Woo! I was attracted to that man, that hairstylist man, the hairdresser that she's married to. I am very attracted. We'll get to him. The hairdresser she married was very doing a lot for me. Doing a lot for Dan. I like dick. Okay, and then finally, Whitney's tagline is, Having faith in myself is the only religion I need. Now, I do wish we got a Mary Cosby tagline. I think she works perfectly in that friend of role. And we did get a scene of her at her closet or at her house where she was calling the Trixie Motel. I love seeing Trixie on this show. But uh, she was calling the Trixie Motel trying to see if they had champagne or something. They said no. And then, uh, but they were filming her alone in that house. And so that was exciting to me. But I wish we could have, even if she was a, still going to be a friend of, I still still wish we got a Mary Cosby tagline. I'd like to know what it would have been because I love that woman on the show. Okay, so then this week's episode opens on Meredith and Lisa meeting because, again, they still hate each other. Called her a garbage whore. At Lisa's hot mic moment, she called Meredith a whore who fucked half New York. But these two are deciding to move on from that. So they do meet looking like two peacocks and they walk down the street. Uh, Meredith was wearing the heels. I'm so happy to see them together. And I was reminded of the very first episode of this program. Very first episode. It debuted during the early COVID times. And I remember thinking, like, how are we going to tell these two apart, Meredith and Lisa? And for the whole first season, when I was recapping this show, I think oftentimes I would mix up the names because we were getting to know them, but they look so much alike. They got the same hair. 
And now I feel like they're so completely tonally different that I can't even imagine mixing them up, although they do look alike. But I'm so happy that their relationship is back in a better place. Lisa's telling Meredith about her son's mission. Now, I do have some questions and concerns about, I believe it's Jack's mission, maybe John, unclear. But uh, he is going on this religion mission. And I don't really completely understand anything about these missions. But I did hear in this episode that they did a reveal party for his mission, for where he's getting called for. And I would just like us to collectively just scale back on the reveal parties, just scale back the gender reveal parties, the mission reveal parties. I think maybe we just need to start hanging out without actually having to have reveal parties. Just invite the the fam over, invite the friends over, have a little party, have some cocktails laid out, but we don't necessarily need to reveal anything, right? We can just have everybody over and that's it. Because also it feels a little bit like we're, Am I crazy? Like, we're glamorizing the mission trips, but is it supposed to be glamorous? Maybe it is, and I just am stupid, so forgive me. Apologies in advance, but it does feel like we're glamorizing. And you know how I feel about the organized religion. I, I you know, it's, I don't know, it makes me a little uncomfortable. It's a little uncomfortable. But to each his own, and I don't know much about it, and I'm not going to research much about it, so I hope it's okay. But as it stands, I thought a reveal party for, are we glamorizing this mission trip? Is Are we supposed to be? I don't know. I don't know. But Lisa, I am concerned that Heather is getting too involved with Lisa's son's mission trip, and that's concerning to me, but we'll get there. She threw him under the bus, Heather did later in the episode when she was at that hot springs, and I just was screaming at the TV. I was like, Heather, just stay out of it. Heather, we don't need you getting involved with the kids. Don't bring the kids into this, because although I might not agree with him going on this mission trip or doing a mission reveal party, I uh, just don't know if it's right for the women to get involved with the kids. It never works out for them. Never. They always say, remember, you know, that's one of the things they say on this show. It's like, don't talk about the kids. I mean, they just said that. Did you guys watch the Atlanta reunion? It was two parts, which you know, Bravo's pissed. It was only two parts. You know, they were not happy and them gals weren't happy either because they get paid less. So, you know, they were pissed. So there's going to be big changes. However, at the end of that Atlanta reunion, when Drew Sidora was just singing to Ralph, one of the craziest fucking things I've ever seen. I mean, fucking nuts. Just the craziest thing. And Andy Cohen was like cringing. He was like watching Drew sing like this breakup ballad to Ralph, who she broke up with, who was still brought on the stage. Everything about those two, it like makes me a little uncomfortable, a little uneasy, Drew and Ralph. And I was actually, up until that last part of the reunion, I was one of the people who was like, maybe we do need to just bring Drew back and maybe a couple others and then have like a soft reboot. Half the cast is gone, half the cast is still there. But I was in favor of keeping Drew because I thought there's plenty of storyline. But then all of that stuff really gave me the ick. The Courtney stuff gave me the ick. Then Drew singing a song on stage. I mean, what the fuck was that? What the fuck? I mean, it was crazy. It was the craziest thing. Um, anyway, let's get back to Salt Lake City Housewife. She, uh, Meredith and Lisa do make up, but Lisa, they don't seem to trust each other quite yet. So they do decide to move forward. Lisa says, I feel like things have gotten really dark and I don't want to go backwards with friends. And it's like, well, but you did call her a whore who fucked half in New York, but that's not the point. The point is... Uh, she is ready to move on, even though Lisa says she only trusts certain people. She points out in her confessional, she trusts people with an NDA, her husband, her lawyers, and then now she's going to make an exception for Meredith. So that's that's Lisa's list of people she trusts. Again, people who sign an NDA around her, her legal team, her husband's, and now Meredith. 
So that's quite a list. So Meredith made that list somehow. The other gals didn't make it on that list. I don't think Whitney's on that list, even though last season they tried to pretend they were friends. I don't think Lisa and Whitney like each other, not one iota. Not one little bitsy. And yet, and yet they pretended all last season. So we're going to see how that shakes out. I'm excited for that. I think Lisa said, I'm going to look forward. <laughs> she said, I'm, I'm putting my blinders on. She said, I'm like a thoroughbred in a race and not looking at the sides of me. So that's, she's just looking forward, looking forward, not at the sides of her. So she apologizes. They hug and make up. Thank God I can finally sleep now. The two of them are made up. Then, uh, speaking of makeups, we see Heather and Whitney Wild Rose, the cousins. They go to the hot springs and Heather's in the Barbie prink. I loved it. All of our gals are moving forward. I'm happy about it. Again, Heather's outfit's a little bit insane, but whatever. And I do wish that Whitney would, or I'm sorry, I do wish Meredith was at this scene at the hot springs because Salt Lake City loves putting them in the hot springs where they go in this little pool, but it's a small little hot tub pool area. And I just wish Meredith was there because I think that could have reignited the bathtub fight. So I think it was a missed opportunity not to have Meredith show up at the hot springs and be like, Whitney, I thought you had a problem with baths and then slinker on in into the bathtub and then maybe give us another couple of accents. And that would have been fun to see. But instead we just got this scene between Heather and Whitney and I guess it was good helping them move forward. I just wish we could have had that bathtub thing come up again. Anyway, Heather's doing, uh, she didn't invite Angie K. So she's throwing Angie K under the bus and telling Whitney and everyone in the audience about her relationship with Angie K. So Angie K and Heather, they went to high school together. They've known each other since the early 90s. I did not know this. Did they tell us this before? Unclear. Now, Heather and Angie K have a sordid past because they went to high school together. However, the reveal that was most stunning to me, most shocking, was that Angie K in high school, she was voted funniest person. That's right. She was voted most comedic, or I forget what the exact wording was, but she was voted, again, either most comedic or funniest. And I'm looking at Angie K, and I was like, what is, I was completely stunned, completely stunned. They also showed a picture of them two in high school, and I was like, who are those two people? They could have put anyone on screen. I was like, those are not the people I'm looking at today. And I know people grow and change, and they both look stunning and beautiful at both times. However, they did look like different people. When they showed Angie K and they showed Heather from high school, and then we were seeing them in real time, and I was like, "Who are those two? Like, those are different. That is that AI. Like, what? Is, who did they? Who created this image? Because I don't believe those are the two people we're staring at." And then we come to find out Angie K was voted funniest person in her graduating class. What? What? Huh? What is going on? She does not strike me as someone who is especially funny in high school. And I haven't seen her not tell one joke that I've laughed at so far in the season of The Real House of Salt Lake City or last season when she first appeared. I've not, not one little funny bone out of Angie K. So I'm waiting. I'm thinking in high school, who was in the voting booth then? We need to stop the count because I don't understand how Angie K suddenly was voted a funniest person in the graduating class because in this series, I don't even... I don't even sense like a good sense of humor. Do you get what I mean? Like, I don't even, and I hate to say that about Angie K. I mean, I don't, maybe we're just not seeing that side of her. And so maybe it's on the production or something and they need to show us a funny side of her. But as it stands, I'm thinking like even Meredith Marks, Meredith Rumors Marks. Maybe this uh, Angie K being voted funniest person in her graduating class was just a rumor because I don't believe it. I think even Meredith Marks is probably funnier than, I mean, literally anyone I've seen on this show seems to have a better funny bone or a stronger funny bone than Angie K. 
And so I'm going to need to see that side of her because I can't even wrap my motherfucking head around that. The idea that Angie K was the funniest person in her graduating class. How many people were in that class? What was it? Just a team of two? It was just Heather and Angie and Heather got something else. So they were like, okay, well, I guess we'll give that one to Angie K. Like what was going on? Stop the count. I want to recount. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I don't think I'll ever understand it. Because again, not in the confessional, not in the group scenes, not in the scene with the husband. The husband. I have not seen Angie K tell me one funny thing. Not one funny thing. A lot of people tune in this podcast. They're like, I don't find that guy funny. What's that homosexual just yelling on the microphone by himself for? I get that. It's all subjective. However, I'm going to need to see some funny side to Angie K because I don't believe it. I don't buy it. I don't buy what they're selling. Uh, okay, so then also in this Hot Springs... Heather and Whitney Wild Rose, they talk about Jack's mission. And Heather says that she accidentally went on her mission because she was bored one day, or she tells a story about her mission. She's like, I was bored one day, and then suddenly I'm Mormon. <laughs> I thought that was funny to me. I was like, okay, so you were just, I guess, bored? Was it after, during high school, college? I don't remember. But she seems, it sounded like Heather just like accidentally did it and then was Mormon. And I was like, how did that happen? And then Heather says that Lisa's not really Mormon because of the tequila thing. Heather says Lisa isn't prepared for Jack when he gets home. And look, I, I understand and I actually feel just as worried as Heather Gay does. I think I have the same kind of worries and I'll be staying up at night. Although I will be sleeping good because Lisa in uh, Meredith have made up. I will not be sleeping anymore because I am worried about Jack or John or whatever the fuck his name is. Uh, how is he going to take care of that shampoo wolf brand? How is he going to, I don't know, grow as a person. I'm not saying you can't grow and learn as a person on a mission, but I just, it worries me. It worries me, especially after we're learning all these things about the Mormon church and religion on this show, that it does concern me. So I'm right there with Heather Gay. However, where we differ is that I don't know that I'd, would want to bring it up if I was on a reality show with the mom. Because again, kids are off limits. We know that from every single one of these fucking franchises. Everyone, the kids are off limits. Don't talk about the kids. Don't go after my family. Do not go after my family. The rumors. Don't go after the rumors. The rumors. Okay, so then uh, we see Meredith. We have this whole Trixie Motel trip. Now, it's revealed that Meredith is one, I guess, putting this together. So she's at home looking up the Trixie Motel, which I believe there's like a whole show about the Trixie Motel. Is it on H- what Discovery or something? I'm going to watch it. I love Trixie. I'm so excited that Trixie was on this show. But uh, as it stands, Meredith is friends with Trixie, but then Whitney also has this relationship with, with Trixie. And so now they're sort of like competing with who's friends with the drag queen. And that's a storyline I'm also very interested in. It just feels like there's a lot of comedy to be mined from two grown women fighting over who's friends with the drag queen. You know, so I'm very, I think we're in a good spot. I think we're in a very good spot with this show. The Real House of Salt Lake City. It's completely bonkers. I love it. And I'm very excited. And so Meredith's looking up the Trixie Motel. And as she's looking it up, Seth comes in with some wine. I think I'll have a Chardonnay. And he's drinking some wine. She's like, what do you drink in there? And then they're happy in their relationship. So Seth ends up getting a shot glass, puts one ice cube in it, and then pours some of that wine into that shot glass for Meredith Marks. I mean, that whole thing. That whole, the whole thing. The whole choreography of that moment. I don't even know what the fuck they were talking about, but the idea that he just found a shot glass and then found put one ice cube in it and then poured some of his wine into that so then she could sip it as if it was she was sipping vodka or tequila or something. I mean, it was 
bonkers. And it was just all these things. This is the, remember back in the day, we always used to say Roni Whiplash. You would watch The Real House of New York and every scene, recapping it was so wild because it was like every scene they'd be fighting and they'd make up and then there'd be something that on any other show you'd be watching it and you'd be totally stunned by it. But on The Real House of New York, they'd move on so quickly from it. You're like, what the fuck just happened? And that's how I feel like we're getting from The Real House of Salt Lake City, where it's like every single moment, every 10 seconds, there's something even more bonkers than the last 10 seconds. But it's happening so fast that you almost just take it in and you think it's normal. So when the husband, Seth Marks, is just pouring a shot glass of Pinot Noir, Pinot Grige, for Meredith Marks to sip on with a ice cube as she looks up a drag queen's motel... We're just expected as if it's completely a normal thing for a woman of Meredith Mark's stature to do. And it's not. It certainly is not. I mean, I think, I, I don't know. I know my mother, Linda Pellegrino is, I, I suppose, a little older than Meredith Marks, but the idea of my mother and father just sitting at home, uh, sipping on shot glasses of Pinot Grigio with an ice cube and looking up a drag queen's motel for her and her girlfriends to go stay at for the weekend is just, I can't even imagine my mom doing it. Linda Pellegrino would say, Gary, pour me a whole glass. What are you doing with that little shot glass of wine? I need a whole glass. Mama's thirsty. That's what <laughs> Linda Pellegrino would need at least a whole glass, if not a half glass or just a wine glass. She wouldn't be sipping out of the... And then looking up the Drag Queen Motel. I mean, I just got blessed. I love the show. Love it. Uh, okay, they also are doing... Oh, I'm sorry to report this news. They are... Seth and Meredith are doing a podcast. That's right. It's called Hanging On by a Thread. And it just was released, apparently. It's about relationships and uh, at least when I first looked it up when I was watching this episode, it didn't exist yet. But then after the episode aired, I guess they it does exist now, which was confusing to me because in the episode they had stickers made, but then it wasn't like available until last night. So they filmed this months and months ago. And obviously that was a planned thing so that they could launch the podcast when this episode aired. But I'm always a little skeptical of those kinds of things. It just, okay, here's my problem with it. And you know how I feel about the product placement? I don't like when they're wearing like the fucking agency hats on the Beverly Hills Housewives. I don't like all the merch. It just takes me out of the reality of it. And by the way, Mauricio is now going to be on Dancing with the Motherfucking Stars. Him and Ariana from Vanderpump Rules are both going to be on Dancing with the Stars. It was announced. So Mauricio is going to be dancing. And now Kyle's in every interview saying it's hard for their public breakup to happen because you know they're they're together and they're going through their personal trouble and their marital troubles and stuff. And yet here he is tramping on over doing the waltz on over there on um, ABC. Anyway, he's going to be on there. But so I hate when they do the merch like that. And it takes me out of the thing. Now, I know these people want to promote their wares and they want to make the money. God bless. However, this was another example of Meredith launching the podcast before it was uh, technically launched. You know, like she's filming a scene with this podcast, but then we find out the podcast didn't launch until just last night or whenever this episode aired. And so that takes me out of the reality. Does that make sense? And maybe it's only me because I'm sure the majority of people who are watching this program, uh, they're not thinking, oh, does that podcast exist? The other thing I just have to say, and I'm really, again, happy for the two of them. They seem like they're in such a good place. And I, I hate to say this too, but I think I'm more attracted to Seth Marks than ever before. Sorry to say. Uh, so I am rooting for the two of them. Rooting for her and the husband. And I don't want that anyone to start any more rumors. However... I don't, 
about it. Saying this is going to make me seem like I have some sort of problem with podcasts, and I don't. But having another housewife launch a podcast, at a certain point, we just have to say enough is enough because there's too many housewife podcasts. They all got one, and there's so many different kinds, and I want everyone to succeed. However, it is just getting aggressive. It's getting aggressive. Maybe they need to put that in the contracts or something over there at Bravo. Maybe just don't start a podcast or something. I'm sorry to say. But they come out. And then uh, some of them go by the wayside, some from last, and it just feels like we're over, we have too many of them. So like literally start anything else, like a, a newsletter, or start a blog, or I, I don't know, something else, something else, or even just straight up YouTube, or a, I don't know. I'm, look, I'm not the branding manager for any of the housewives. However, it just feels like we're reaching capacity. We're getting dangerously close to capacity on the housewives podcast, dangerously close. We all can't keep up with all of them. Whenever it would stand of all was happening, you know, we were all fast and furiously trying to listen to every fucking podcast. It's like, well, we got to listen to Sheena Shea and Peter and like, <laughs> anyone that's ever ate at the fucking Sir restaurant. We had to like listen to their podcasts and, and figure out all the details of the Scandaval. And we were all we had our monocles on and trying to figure out all the information about the Scandaval. And it was exhausting. It was exhausting. I'm tired. I'm still reeling from all of that. And so now I'm just concerned that all of these housewives having these podcasts, and if a big scandal breaks, then I'm going to have to go listen to her and Seth talking about uh, their relationship struggles just to get some information on whatever scandal happens on the show. Do you get what I mean? It's too much. It's too much. Uh, okay, so then we get to Angie's house. We get to meet the the dog. Celia has purple paws and ears. The house looked very sterile to me um, in clean and I like that. I like that. There wasn't a lot of color happening in the house, but I liked how clean it made me feel. I don't know. I felt sort of safe. I felt sort of safe there. But Angie married a muscly blow dryer. Yes, that's right. They are, have been married for a long time. They own 10 salons in a cosmetology school, which I had no idea. They have a 12 year old daughter. His name is Sean. And I was very attracted to this man. They also have, did they have a daughter named Electra? Was I, did I make that up? Did I make that up, you guys? That feels like I made it up. The daughter, was her name Electra? I think it was, you guys. I think it was. And that's something we should all breathe in. Because the fact that her name was Electra, like Jennifer Garner in the movie Electra, it's something that on any other franchise, I think I would probably spend 10 minutes on. But on this franchise, I'm like not even sure that it was just like it happened so quick. It's like, yeah, her name's Electra. Okay. And then we're moving on. The husband's a hairdresser, the daughter's name Electra, and she's Greek, and we're moving on. It was like happening so fast. And the daughter was in Versace sweats, which I did have a problem with. They had too many brands. And the, the daughter, and the daughters, I don't like seeing the daughters or the kids in all the brand names. I'm, that makes me a hater, probably. I'm sure it does. A lot of you are thinking, Danny, why are you hating on the rich kids? And I took a lot of heat last week. I took a lot of heat last week for how hard I went at Heather Dubrow and Terry because of them uh, celebrating their $55 million house sale uh, by bragging about going on a G6. And a lot of you said, uh, Danny, you're going too hard on the DeBros. And so here I am now going hard on the kid named Electra wearing the Versace sweats. Gorgeous looking kid and everything. I don't want to talk about the kids. I'm just talking about the Versace. I don't like, and all the show, even with the housewives, it's like, I don't like that really aggressive branding. I don't like the aggressive label designs. I do sort of just wish we could go back to the the simpler days of yesteryear, the days of yore, when the housewives just show up in sweats. And we're going to talk about that Monica scene, which I thought was one of the most refreshing scenes I've ever heard or ever seen on the Housewives franchise. But I liked that. I liked the idea of getting away from these brand labels because I'd imagine all of the housewives do feel this, the same thing Monica felt, where it's like, I'm not going to fit in with the other women. 
I don't know. Um, oh, back to that Angie K scene with the husband hairdresser, the muscly blow dryer. Uh, she, as they're sitting there in the kitchen, Whitney calls and Angie ignored it. Did you guys catch this? Whitney called and Angie ignored it. And the reason why I want to point that out is because that's not good housewifery. Because obviously Whitney called because she knew they were filming. So producer probably told them to have Whitney call. And then Angie just ignored it. She had ignored on the phone. I was like, that's not good. That's not good. Um, anyway, Angie says, this is when Angie says she was a class clown. And I just do not get that energy from her. But uh, great if she is. Maybe you're just not seeing that side. I'm sorry. Uh, so then we have that scene with Monica. We see Monica at home. She was born in Boston. She's been in Salt Lake City for 10 years. She lives three minutes away from her grandma and the mom, which it, it's like my, my family all lives like a street away from each other. And even growing up, we lived down the street from my grandma and grandpa. Like you could essentially walk there. And it was a very Italian thing, but uh, I moved away. <laughs> I got away from all of them. I love them dearly, but I did get away. Uh, however, this is nice to see. Monica's got the grandma, the mom, the grandma seemed fun. Nana seemed amazing. I was obsessed with Nana. I need Nana to get a snowflake because she just seemed like a good time. Now, Monica was raised Mormon, but struggles with it because she was having an affair uh, with the, uh, what was it? The brother, the brother-in-law, not exactly the brother-in-law. It was like the sister's husband, the husband. And so there are these rumors. Rumors. I suppose they weren't exactly rumors, but I did want to play that clip. But there are <laughs> Monica did did admit to fucking this guy. And so that's why she struggles with the that's why she struggles with the um with the Mormon religion. Now Monica owns this company called Brea Baby. Baby Swaddles. I was gonna order I don't even have a baby, but I was ready to order one because I fell in love with Monica in this scene and the whole opening up about feeling uh unaccepted by these women. She said she went and bought a bag at Louis Vuitton. She cried about it because she just wanted to show up on a gas trip with nothing. And I think this is I hate to sound over dramatic, but I think this is one of the most authentic scenes that we've ever seen on the Real Houses franchise. I would point to this whenever people argue about house size being a guilty pleasure or whenever people say that there's no worth in these shows or give us all this bullshit about watching the reality TV that we need to survive because you know there's those people who are like, oh, you watch reality TV, oh, you watch house size, they stick your nose at you and I will not have that anymore because I will point to this motherfucking scene and I will say it's one of the most authentic scenes because not only does it work on a level of like looking kind of behind the curtains of the making of one of these shows, but I also think it's wildly relatable to someone in their 30s or 40s who has a friend group and maybe does not feel like they fit in monetarily wise or money wise. That can cause a lot of insecurity. And so I just thought it was a beautiful, beautiful scene. She sat down, even with her, we got to meet her daughter, Brie, too, who was 17, but spiritually felt like a 47-year-old divorcee. And that's the highest compliment I could give, because there's no one I would rather hang out with than a 47-year-old woman who's a divorcee. And so when I saw this one, Brie, she did have, didn't she have like an, an energy that was older than Monica? And it almost felt like Monica was the kid. And I loved this energy from Brie. I mean, truly was giving me 47-year-old divorcee. Again, highest compliment I could possibly give. Uh, but so Monica was crying to the daughter, the daughter. And I thought this was just so beautiful and open. And, and then we find out all these shocking things about Monica, which we already learned last week. She was like an informant to Jen Shaw. But now we found out the dad was gay and then moved to Florida. And I was like, what? How did that happen? And tell me more about that. Like, it's all moving so quickly. And Monica is focused on the house and her clothing and 
and packaging. She's like talking about her business. Even she's like, well, I just have this little business for the swaddles. That was when I was like logging online. I was like, I'm going to order one of these motherfuckers. We need to make her some monies. Uh, but she is talking about all that stuff. I'm like, maybe we need to go back to the gay dad thing because I need to know about this man who was gay and then moved to Florida. Okay. Let me repeat that. Let me repeat that. He came out as gay and then moved to Florida with the husband. The husband? Now, normally, I would say someone in Florida would come out as gay and then move to a gayer area. Not saying that there aren't parts of Florida. I just came from Florida. I was on a Florida vacation. That's where I got um, to eat at a medieval times with my family. We were all just sitting there. Which, by the way, I can't believe medieval times still exists. And uh, it is rather uncomfortable eating a piece of meat with your bare hands while a horse is foaming at the mouth in front of you and it smells like a horse shit. However, it still exists and it's still thriving in Florida, a medieval times restaurant. So it is what it is. My niece and nephews wanted to go. So I had to buckle up and, and sit tight while I watched a whole dinner theater show and tried to eat uh, amongst the horse shit. I mean, literally like we were watching, I, I hate to drag medieval times into this, but I do just have to say there is an issue when you're eating dinner and in front of you is like horse shit. Because even we had, and I, I don't mean to brag, but we did have VIP seats for the Medieval Times restaurant. And what I found concerning about that is you have to pay more for the VIP seats. However, what you're really getting is like a closer view and a stronger scent from the horses. And I love horses. But it's you can see that you're so close to the shit. And again, those horses are forming at the mouth. I don't think they should be working at the Medieval Times. I think we need to free the horses. And let them run free, like the Mariah Carey butterfly video. Let the horses run free because they're foaming at the mouth. And I was just so uncomfortable the whole time. And then you smell the the horse shit as they're bringing out some animal carcass that you're supposed to eat. And it's like, what is the, how did we get here? How did we get here? Maybe we should do some other restaurant theme periods. Go to any other theme period. Like, let's do a 90s. 90s times or something. I don't know. I'm spitballing here, but I th- think we should do some other theme restaurant where we don't have horses. And then also the VIP seats should be back in the corner where you can't see what's going on and you can't smell anything because it's too strong of a scent. It's too strong of a scent. Meanwhile, my sister-in-law somehow was able to get a gluten-free menu. Like I guess when she bought her ticket, she selected gluten-free and I'm like, they're not even giving me uh, any forks or knives to eat my chicken carcass. And then, meanwhile, my sister-in-law is getting, like, hummus and carrots because she checked off the gluten-free. And I'm like, were people gluten-free in the medievals? In the medieval times, were people gluten-free? Because I don't imagine they were. And yet, somehow, medieval times can't give me a fucking fork, but they're allowed to serve a gluten-free menu? Like, what the fuck is that? Doesn't even make any fucking sense. Sorry to go off the medieval times, but I had to get that off my chest. Anyway, um... Let's, we should take a break here because I, I, we need a break. Find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm going on tour in October, about a month away. There are tickets to Nashville. We're going to be there on right before Halloween in Nashville. I'm super excited. There are still tickets available. Go to everythingiconic.com, top of the page, live show link. There's also tickets still available for Cleveland, which is kicking off the tour in my hometown. I cannot wait. And uh, I believe San Fran, there are a couple tickets, San Francisco. So come see me. We're going to have a good time. And then the book is out the week after I start that tour. I'm so excited. My new book is called The Jolliest Bunch. And we'll be right back. Look, the weather's getting warmer. 
You got to ditch the jackets, the sweaters, and you got to put on some shorts and tees. And if you're anything like me, you hate getting all the new stuff. But luckily, I've found Quince, and Quince makes it so easy uh, to get clothes. I used to waste my money on clothes that would only last one season. That was until I found out about Quince. Now I've got high-quality pieces that never go out of style that I'll be wearing year after year. Quince has all of the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos. Those are my personal favorite. I always love getting new polos for the summertime, and they have a fantastic selection. I'm very particular about the collar, and I love the collar on the performance polos that I got. They also have versatile flow-knit activewear, and the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to all of us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes, which I love. Feel good about shopping with them. Now, again, I got those polos, but I also got some shorts, some t-shirts, just some basics that I can wear year-round. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to Quince.com slash iconic for free shipping on your order and 300 65 day returns. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash iconic to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash iconic. Ah, I love that sound, don't you? And that's the sound you're going to hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Uh, we use it here at Everything Iconic. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling all your business complexity, no matter how big you grow. I think it's fantastic. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache, but Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate all of your products, your orders, your customers, and more uh, from every major e-commerce platform all the way to Shopify. And I always hate when I'm shopping online and I have to re-enter all of my information. Well, Shopify store remembers your shipping address, your payment information. So if you're on the couch and your wallet's on the kitchen counter, you don't have to get up, which is nice. So sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash everything iconic, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic. Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash everything iconic. All right, I'm sure a lot of you out there can relate because every time there's a commercial break and I'm watching one of my shows, I'm always hopping on the Redfin app or website because I just want to check out real estate listings. Like I love checking out real estate listings, even for the houses that I cannot afford. It's my favorite app to use Redfin. Uh, I just got a home, of course, but it was pretty stressful process. And if I would have known how easy Redfin was, I think it would have helped out a lot. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations. So finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. See something you like? Well, book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process, making it so easy. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents with a listing fee as low as 1%. Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards your next home. Now, that's a great thing. I love using Redfin. I love checking out. If you're buying or selling a home and you need some help with that, check out Redfin. Download the Redfin app to get started. And we're back. I'm tired of really? 
I will never get over that. Rumors. <laughs> oh, I'm laughing. Okay, so there's a scene with Whitney and the husband, and then Angie and her husband, the muscly blow dryer, they're out to dinner. And I was so focused, the waitress in this scene had the slick back hair like Sharon Stone in Basic Instinct. What was that? Did you guys catch that? I mean, it was like, again, so much happening. The waitress, I'm like, just getting eyes on her. And then it's revealed Justin, Whitney Wild Rose's husband, has got some royal blue crystals around his neck. And as he's explaining it to the table, again, explaining it, Angie's hairdresser husband was looking at him like, what the fuck are you wearing, dude? Like, he was <laughs> judging, like, what the fuck is around your neck? And then Justin, like, pulled it out. He's like, oh, it's crystals for something. And just a look on... The look on the husband's, Angie's husband's face. I mean, I just need a still frame of that. I am just going to print it and put it up in my, above my bed, just on the ceiling above my bed. I'm just going to put that picture of that man looking at Justin's crystals around his neck. It was like some turquoise jewelry. I thought it was watching Sex in the City. It was Aiden. So, you know, Aiden on Sex in the City always wearing that turquoise jewelry uh, in the early seasons. And so I was like, did Justin just like go to a yard sale for um, John Corbett and then pick up some of the jewels? Because what is going on? I mean, God bless. No, anyway, um, it's also revealed in this scene. You guys, I don't, how do we even talk about this show? Because it's crazy because we found out in this scene also that Angie and the husband's Sean, their daughter, Electra, still sleeps in their bed. She's 11 years old. I thought she was, didn't they say earlier in this episode she was 12, 11, 12? It doesn't matter. Past, I'd say, what's that? I'm, I'm not a parent. It seems like every once in a while, maybe the kid would want to sleep in your bed. But at 11, 12, seems like a little old to me. And I, again, I don't mean to judge parenting, but here I am judging it because it's fucking weird, I think. I think, I'm sorry to say that. It's just my opinion. And it might be a wrong opinion. But it seems a little too old to be sleeping in the bed. Maybe watch a movie in there or something. But the parents got a bone. They got to get to bone town. So get out of there. They got, they don't have time for the kids in the, and then where the dogs in the bed too. They have a couple dogs. And then, I mean, what, to what end? To what end? We need to get the kid out of the bed. And I hope they're working on that. I hope they're working on that. But as soon as I was just trying to figure that out, all of a sudden Sharon Stone popped back in the scene to deliver their food and was like, I'm going to drop the steak here. And I was like, who's this waitress? Like, let me get to know her for a minute because so much is happening. I'm getting the whiplash and I just want to, I just want to like settle in and figure out what's going on with the kid sleeping in the bed that old. I mean, and it just moves on to the next thing. And I also thought like, why didn't Whitney Wild Rose say like, like, just stop. Here's what I need Salt Lake City women to do. Just focus on this going forward as they're filming. I need them to once in a while, when some bit of information is revealed, I need them to just say, okay, stop. What the fuck? I needed Whitney Wild Rose to just say to Angie K as Angie K was talking, just say, Angie, can you stop for a minute? What the fuck? And then just let Angie K explain. You know, that might clear up some information for us because it's all moving on too quickly. And I need to understand, like, why does the grown, and it's not a grown kid, but a 11, 12-year-old sleeping in the bed. I need us to figure that out. And then I need us to figure out, like, let's settle in on the waitress. And I need them to just slow down the scenes a little bit because it's happening very fast and furious. Then we see Heather shopping with Monica. Monica showed up in jeans, a leather jacket, basic undershirt. And I'm very, again, interested in low-fashion housewives era again. I'm tired of relying on the labels. And I know I want wealth. And I've been saying on the show, on this podcast, I always say, like, I like to see the wealth. And then I complain when someone like Heather Interior are selling their house for $55 million. So I know that I give conflicting information. And that's my right. That's my right. 
And so I will continue to give conflicting information because as it stands, I'm sort of interested in the low fashion housewives era again. And I uh, probably as soon as we get that low fashion housewives era again, I will be complaining and I will say, let's bring on the rich out of touch people back onto this program. That's just who I am. Um, but they do, Monica and Heather do talk about Angie K. Heather, Heather hates Angie K. She says, I think she's catty and jealous. Now, this is where it's revealed that Monica was excommunicated, actually, from the Mormon religion for fucking the brother-in-law for 18 months. 18 months. It was the husband's sister's husband. She went and saw the bishop and came clean. Got the things that bishop must have uh, be hearing. But isn't that, like, crazy? She's just fucking the... I mean, in Monica, I didn't get that impression off the bat from Monica, and now I'm finding out. For 18 months, they fucked. 18 months, she was just fucking the husband. The brother-in-law, I guess, is it really a brother-in-law if it was, like, your husband's sister's husband? I guess it is technically a brother-in-law. I mean, either way, it was someone she shouldn't have been fucking, right? Like, anybody else. Just close your legs to married men. Nene Leakes, she taught us that. So, don't, so do that. Close your legs to married men. But at least she came clean to the bishop or whoever she came clean to. Then we see Mary Cosby calling the Trixie Motel to ask if they have Dom Perignon from 2003 or room service. <laughs> I get it. She hangs up. I get it, Mary. I love her. I love watching her. Uh, and it's revealed that Whitney is going at a different time to the Trixie Motel with Angie K because Angie K wasn't invited to Trixie Motel. And now she's getting there with Whitney Wild Rose. And the Trixie Motel looks nice. I want to stay there. I'm interested in staying there. It's in Palm Springs. Uh, before they get there, Lisa freaks out because she loses the ring in the bathroom. A $60,000 ring. She was, I guess she was taking a deuce and then she was pulling up the pants and as she was halfway through the, the you know, they were just above the ankles and she looked down as she was about to wipe her, her behind. I'm assuming this is how it went. Uh, I'm sort of filling in some gaps here, but I, I, after she was done taking the deuce and she was going to wipe her caboose, she looked down at her grippers and she realized like, oh, uh-oh, like the ring is missing. The ring is missing. And she's looking in the in the toilet. She's looking in. She's sending Monica. Poor Monica has got to look through. I think she's like old tampons or something. I don't know. I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry. But this is what was going on. Monica was looking through, I believe, tampons. Old tampons. And this is real storylines. This is real storytelling because this is a real thing that would happen on a girl's trip. And so I'm really into this, too. It's like, let's see these gals losing their rings. It doesn't feel set up. It doesn't feel staged. It feels like, oh, yeah, that happened. She was taking a dump, looked down at her grippers, and there's no ring. And it's a $60,000 ring, which I would be too scared to have anything. $60,000 on my my grippers. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I got my jewelry's all like a Rugrats watch from the 90s, Burger King, and like a Free Willy necklace that came with the VHS of Free Willy, too. Those are my kind of jewels. And they're pri- they're pricey in their own ways, but they're certainly not $60,000. Because I don't know that I feel comfortable. I'd be thinking about what am I going to lose? Even if I buy... When I have like a shirt on or something that's like over, let's say like $60, if it's over $60, like I, that's a special occasion top. I'm wearing that blouse out uh, to meet, I don't know, to meet someone special. That's someone special. And so I couldn't imagine wearing a $60,000 ring. And so then she's, they can't find it. And Mary's getting pissed because Lisa keeps talking about this ring. And I actually very much understood both sides of this argument because have you ever been with someone who lost something and it just ruins the whole vibe of the trip? It does. It does. But then I also understand Lisa losing a $60,000 thing, but then it was like insured. So I'm like, who cares then? I don't know. Do I don't know about jewelry. If they insure it for $60,000, do they just give you the $60,000? Do they just replace it? How does it work? 
I guess you pay the, I don't know, 60, I was worried about it. Mary also slept in the car, which made me laugh. Then um, Whitney and Angie K are already at the the motel, and so they sit with Trixie, and Trixie is like, well, so what's going on with the group of gals? And Whitney Wildrose is like, oh yeah, I brought Angie, even though she wasn't invited and everybody hates her, but it's no big deal. And Trixie's like, uh, what do you mean? And then she's like, it's no big deal that I did that. And Trixie was so funny. Trixie's response was, drag is illegal in Tennessee, so we should do whatever we want. (laughs) I love that Trixie slipped that in there. So good. So good. Um, Anyway, then everyone shows up at the Trixie Motel. Lisa's like, I love it. It's so pink. And then the episode ends. Next week on the show, we get more Trixie. We get Angie uh, reveals information, drunk Heather Gay. Then we get that batshit moment with Meredith just doing 100 different fucking accents. The rumors, the nastiness about her. The rumors, the nastiness. I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, and then want me to go there with the husband? Tell her to fuck off! Fuck off! Her demon voice. Ah, I can't wait for that whole scene. That was the coming attraction for next week. You can imagine what we're going to get the scene. It's going to be great. Okay, let's uh, take a little break, and then we're going to talk about the real house size of Orange County. Trace Amigas are back, baby! I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y, dot com. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. All right, the Real Houses of Orange County. We ended last week's episode with Hip and Heather Shamps Dubrow arguing with each other, and it was a to be continued, although when we continued this week, the fight just sort of fizzled out. It was a lot of awkwardness. Heather, they asked her about moving full-time to L.A. She said she doesn't know yet, and she decides that they're all being too tough on her, so she runs to the restroom, the powder room, and uh, before she does, she lets the gals know that she bought them all gifts, and they all feel like shit because they were just so nasty to Heather Dubrow, and then she's got the gifts. She apparently always brings a gifts basket or something every time they're on a girl's trip. And so she gave them all, eventually, when she came back from the powder room, she gave them all a basket of junk. And that was nice of her, 
but they all didn't really deserve it because they were all, they were mean to her. And look, I know I was tough on Heather Dubrow last week, and I am coming around on her a little bit this week. I am, I do feel like I was tough on her, uh, but they all hate her, and it was not nice what they were reacting to last week. But I just think there are more. There's more happening behind the scenes than we really realize when it comes to Heather Dubrow. But I was tough on her last week, and then when I saw her have to go to the powder room, and she bought all the gals the baskets of gift monogram junk that she was giving them all, I felt bad. I feel bad because I, if I was sitting at the table and somebody handed me monogram junk after I just was mean to them, I'd feel bad. And so uh, she did go to the powder room and they all do end up making up, I guess. Um, but Jen and Tamara, they, uh, they end up going after each other a little bit. Um, oh, wait, real quickly about the monogram thing though, I want to mention. So when she comes back and she gives everyone the gifts of junk, she says in her confessional, she's like, do I think the girls deserve them? She says, no, but they're already monogrammed. And why I want to point that out is because the way she said it was very Regis Philbin. She's like, do I think they deserve these baskets full of junk? No, but they're already monogrammed. <laughs> and it was very, it was, it was giving Regis. It was like Heather Dubrow by way of Regis's ghost. And I appreciated that. So I think that's actually probably why I was coming back around on Heather Dubrow. Because I was thinking, let's get it. Let's mic her up and put her on live. Because uh, now I'm ready to tune into the HD network. All of a sudden, I thought I was staring. I feel like maybe the ghost of Regis maybe might have entered her subconscious or something in that moment. Or I know sometimes on these shows, there's some ghost work happening. And so I thought maybe the spirit of Regis is now inhabiting Heather Dubrow. And so I need to get on board. And that's that's what I'm choosing to believe. The spirit of Regis is alive and well. And so I'm going to have to tune into the HD network for live with Heather Dubrow and the ghost of Regis. Because I loved Regis Philbin. May you rest in peace. Love that man. And so when she said, do I think they deserve this monogram junk? No, but they're already monogrammed. I'm not doing a good impression, but you get the point. It was like the emphasis was there. Emphasis was there. Uh, so then right after she gave them gifts, though, the all of a sudden they show the coming attractions for after the commercial break. So they're about to go to commercial break. Heather had just given these baskets full of junk. Then the Bravo voice comes over, the voiceover comes on. And it's like coming up on the Real Houses of Orange County after the commercial they don't say after the commercial, but it's like after the commercial break. And then they show Hip diving into water and not coming out. Now, you remember from the episode of this podcast last week where I pointed out that in the coming attractions for this week's episode, they also teased that Hip might have died in the water. Like she might have drowned in the water. And they did it again before the commercial break. It was like, yeah, Hip jumps in the water. And ultimately, there was, like I guess, sort of a little moment where she had a a potential nosebleed, but ultimately I don't even think she had the nosebleed, but she said, I was getting out of the water and she's like, I think I got a bloody nose or something. But really that was it. But they kept teasing it. Like hip goes underwater and then like, doesn't come out. It was like, we were watching a lifetime scripted movie or something like somebody gets in the water or what's that? What was one of them surfer movies? Wasn't there a surfer movie where somebody it's uh, something bit off by a shark or something. And I felt like that's what it was. Like we were teasing a horror movie where hip just dives into the water and then uh, barely makes it out. They kept teasing it. Um, anyway, then um, we do see everyone going on these excursions. Tamara brought toilet paper on her excursion. It was like they were all going out for the day. And she's like, I got my toilet paper. And I don't know if I missed something. But I was like, why is she carrying around the the two-ply? Like, what has she gotten that, that in her purse for? Does she just... Were they having to go in nature or something? I must have missed something. But she did have that in her purse. And I was turning on Tamara this episode because I feel like she's being too hard on Jen now. 
and I know I've been hard on Jen, but I feel like she's she's going into our and I don't know what she wants from Jen anymore because we've already explained that the guy's a bad person that he's sending the dick pic to everybody at the gym and was fucking other people and I mean by all accounts this man is a demon and not a good person and they've all told Jen that Jen has explained his behavior away. And she is happy with him. So at a certain point, we just say, okay, Jen, you're happy with that man. And so if you're happy, then we're just going to have to move on because she's not really responding to it. And Tamara keeps bringing it up. I'm like, Tamara, we have to move on because Jen's not really giving it to us. And so I wonder if maybe Tamara was in her head. She's like, oh, we need storylines for the show. Let's keep it going. Nothing else is going to happen. So let me just keep bringing up the Jen Ryan situation. But I was just starting, I'm getting to the point where I'm feeling bad for Jen. I'm like, leave this poor gal alone. Yes, she's she's going to have to sit in bed with that man, that demon. And what a life of hell she's created for herself if this is the man she's chosen to settle down with. And I certainly don't wish that upon anybody. But Jen herself actually seems like a very nice human. She seems fine and nice and quiet and whatever. And so I just wish we could, I think we're just going to have to back down. Tamara's got to back down. Tammy Sue, we need you to back down a little bit because it's too, I'm starting to feel bad for her. Uh, I'm not feeling bad for the demon that she's with, though, by the way. I do think that man's a, a nightmare. Okay, so then uh, what else is that? On the excursions, I do have to say, Casita's, uh, she is scared of, even as a kid, she said, I, I, did I get this right? She said she was scared of baths. That's right. She said she was scared of baths. She's scared of water. And she was afraid to jump in the water. She said, give my denim cutoffs to the kids. She said, make sure they're, and I guess she don't have a living will. So she had to do the living will right there on the spot on camera. She's like, give him the denim shorts. <laughs> she's like, is Bravo legal here? She wasn't ready to hire her own attorney to do the living will. So she's like, let me just do this on camera. Let's get Bravo legal, take care of it. And she was like thinking in that moment. I know it was played for laughs, but I actually think she might've been serious in that moment. She was thinking like, okay, I got to give my assets to the kids. And she's like going through her head. She's like, okay, what assets do I have? And then she thought denim cutoffs. And then that was like the end of the list. (laughs) Uh, Casita, God bless her. Yeah, she had to give the kids. Had to give the kids. But then she does ultimately jump in. Off the smallest platform, she jumped into the water and they all clapped. They were like, woo! (laughs) Oh, I loved it. I loved it. So then, oh, this was the other reason why I think Tamara was bothering me this week because she was laying in on Jen wearing all the fake designer. She was saying she's got the Fuchi purse and the fake clothes and everything. And I just felt like she's being so hard on this woman for her relationship. And now she's going after this woman for all the fake designer stuff. And I was like, this is a new house. She's probably so insecure, much like Monica. And I think that also added to my feelings for the Real Houses of Orange County because I had just watched Salt Lake City Housewives where we had this woman, Monica, just being so vulnerable but not feeling comfortable with her wealth around the other women in the cast. And then to watch this week's episode where Tamara was being so hard on Jen. Now, do I think that... I wish none of these women were the fake designers. If you can't afford the designers... Let's just, it's its too, I don't know. It's just, I'm, I'm over it. I think I'm just over it. And ordinarily, I would love Tamara pointing it out. But I just felt like we were being so hard on Jen this week that I thought, Shut up! That's what I thought. I thought, Eileen Davidson, shut up! Shut up! You smug, sanctimonious bitch! We're just being too tough on this woman. So I hope Tamara, you know, scales back a little bit and is a little nicer, a little nicer. Then, oh, Vicky shows up on this trip and she shows up with a scream. She's like, rah! <laughs> 
and I was so happy to see her. She showed up and surprised Tamara, and Shannon, I guess Tamara had invited her. And we got a montage of the drunk Trace Amigos. And look, I know... I was tired of the Trace Amigos. Last time Vicky was on the show, I was tired of them doing the dances and uh, talking about being Trace Amigos. Remember they did that one scene where they dressed as even older ladies and they had like, they put on prosthetics or something and they did a scene where they're at home and their old lady costumes. And that was a low point for me. But now I'm so happy to see them back together. That's who I am. That's who I am. Uh, okay, so then Heather, it's also revealed this week. Oh, this is interesting. This is very interesting and tough for me to say out loud, but Heather called hip snuffleupagus, although Heather said it's in a good way. It's in a good way. And you know how I feel about them comparing people to Muppets. Now, I don't love how everyone keeps comparing Austin to Fozzie Bear, because I feel like that's uh, Austin from Southern Charm is so much less of the person that Fozzie Bear is to me, to me. And so the comparison is not great. And we've also been dealing with Muppet comparisons over on the Real House of Orange County since the days of yesteryear, since the days of yore, when Slade Smiley, remember him? Remember that demon? Remember he was on, he was doing stand-up comedy, question mark, and he had said on stage that Vicky resembled Miss Piggy. Now, I had problems with this because I love, Miss Piggy to me is one of the greatest of, of all time, greatest of all time, human, Muppet, or otherwise. So one of the greatest of all time, and so it is slanderous. Now, that said, I do think that one of the worst things that Bravo has ever done is when they did an episode of Watch What Happens Live. And you know I love that show. Love that show. Love the producers there. Love Andy. Love the whole kit and caboodle over there on Watch What Happens Live. Greatest show. Best talk. We love a talk show. So what I'm about to say, I don't want the Bravo people to think that I'm talking too much shit about Watch What Happens Live, although I'm about to talk a lot of shit about Watch What Happens Live because when they had an episode where they had Vicky Gumbelson on, and then had Miss Piggy appear alongside of her after Slade Smiley had said on The Real Houses of Orange County that she resembled her and Vicky was self-conscious about it. Then Bravo booked Vicky Gunvalson and Miss Piggy on Watch What Happens Live together. Now, you guys like, what the fuck was that about? <laughs> that was one of the most savage things Bravo has ever done, ever. And we love them. And this was decades ago, so hopefully they've learned from their mistakes. But it was probably one of the rudest things they've ever done to one of their cast members. <laughs> and that includes the time they put them all on that ship that on the Real Houses in New York, and they almost lost them at sea or whatever. They were <laughs> I actually think putting Vicky on Watch What Happens Live alongside Miss Piggy was probably worse. Because it was like this woman who's the star of your show, she had just said like how self-conscious she was. And then the other house husband is like making, using it as a derogatory term. Now, again, I have to say that I don't think it's derogatory because Miss Piggy is the greatest of all time. However, Vicky had expressed how she was self-conscious about it. And then to put him on Watch What Happens Live together, you guys. Oh, I mean, really great episode of Watch What Happens Live. And I think back to it fondly, but it probably was one of the most mean things they've ever done. Uh, anyway, but there was a weird Cirque du Soleil ad. Did you guys notice that? They must have paid for it, right? They had to pay. There was like a weird Cirque. All of a sudden, like a waiter came by and was like, hey, gals, you're going to go see a private show of Cirque du Soleil. And then it was like a couple seconds of them just watching these gymnastic people. And I don't love it. I'm not a big, I, I find Cirque du Soleil or those types of shows they're really, really, really amazing and wondrous and fun and breathtaking and exciting for about four minutes, about four minutes. And then it's like, okay, I've seen some men in tights uh, swirling around on some ropes. 
I've seen it for four and a half minutes, and then it's like, okay, what's, uh, I'm, I've had enough. I, I feel like I get it. I've seen it. That's how I feel. I, my brother, for his 40th birthday, we went to Vegas, and he wanted to go see one of them, I guess it was O, or one of the Cirque du Soleil shows. And incredible talents. Mind-blowing talents. They, should, they all deserve to eat anybody on those stages, because the way they're twisting and turning and bending backwards, Kyle Richards wishes she could do what their bodies are doing. She could do the splits. Well, those people could do the splits, the upright, uh, up in the air. They could jump into water doing the splits. They could do it at fucking all. And I wouldn't mind actually see Kyle Richards to join a Cirque du Soleil or something. Maybe we could get her in Vegas. I'd go see that for more than four minutes. But the point is, it's fun for four minutes. And then you're like, okay, I want to go play blackjack. Get me to the casino. I don't need to be here. I once saw Jersey Boys in Vegas too. And I love Jersey Boys. But in Vegas, you're just thinking like, get me to the blackjack table. Like that's all I'm concerned about. Either that or do a Divas concert. Like let me see Mariah Carey, Adele, Lady Gaga. Like let me see somebody in Vegas, a diva. Uh, I don't need to see a bunch of gymnasts bebopping around on a stage and diving into some water from 50 feet in the air. It's really amazing for four minutes. But anyway, the gals, they did go in the middle of an episode just to their own private showing of this. And they, uh, it was an ad, I believe. I believe somebody had to pay for that. Then they have a pajama party. They do a truth or dare. Taylor Armstrong, uh, she does lick both of Emily's nipples. That's right. She already licked one of them before, and now she's like licking them over the clothes or something. I, I don't know. And look, I don't want to sex shame. We're sex positive here on this show. So do whatever you want, consensually. Uh, I just don't know that visually I need to see a lot more of Taylor Armstrong lip- licking hips, nipples. I just think maybe that's enough now. I've seen it twi- two different times now. I've seen Taylor Armstrong lick Emily Simpson's nips. And maybe that's just I've, I've, just enough. I've had a, I'd rather uh, see more Cirque du Soleil, to be honest with you. I never thought I'd say that in my entire lifetime, but here I am. And again, God bless Taylor Armstrong's bisexual woman, proud, and we love that. We support her in the LGBTQIA plus community. I just don't know that visually it's something I need to breathe in. At a certain point, I have to I have to draw a line in the sand and say, bravo, you know, show me anything else because I've seen it too many times now. And Taylor Armstrong hasn't really been given us much since the IMDb fight. And so I just... I, we need to go somewhere, a new direction. Maybe just a new direction. Just enough with the nips. And she's got a beautiful, Emily Hip Simpson's got a beautiful body. And so uh, no shade to anybody. It's just, I don't know that the audience is really interested in it. Are we? Is anyone out there? Maybe some people are. But I don't imagine the women and gay men who watch these programs are that interested in seeing Taylor Armstrong lip hips nipples. Can't even say that word. Say that five times fast. Lick hips nipples. Lick, lick hips nips. That should be like one of those, like before you're going on stage in the theater, like red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. It should be like uh, Taylor licking hips, nips, licking hips, nips, licking hips, nips, licking hips, nips, licking hips, nips. Like that. <laughs> That's going to be my vocal warm ups before I start doing the podcast. Licking hips, nips, licking hips, nips. That's my vocal warm up from now on. So if you guys are wondering what happens here on this podcast before I start recording, before I hit that red light, I'm just here by myself yelling, red leather, yellow leather, licking hips, nips, licking hips, nips. That's what I'm saying. 
from now on. Uh, okay, then the next morning, they're all looking a hot mess. Vicky and Tamara cuddle, and I needed that for my soul. I needed to see them cuddle for my soul. Uh, then, let's see, Shannon reveals that she doesn't feel comfortable in a bathing suit. Again, this is real. This is, I would point to this too when people say that a house size is bad or for you or guilty pleasure or something. I'd point to this scene because this is great. This is real. And Hip thinks that John is super critical of Shannon's body. And you just don't know. Here's the thing with bodies. You just don't know what somebody is feeling in their body. But I uh, really felt like this was a beautiful scene with Shannon. And just being honest and open about it, I think it's so important. And I would, again, point to this scene when anyone gave me shit about watching Outsiders. I'd say, go watch that scene because it's real. And it feels right. Feels right. Uh, Anyway, what else do we have to talk about? Jen calls out Tamara and finally gets upset. And I was happy that... Jen finally reached her boiling point, but Jen says that Tamara reached out to this woman who fucked Ryan, and then there's like this accusation about needing to be relevant, and Tamara says she's making Jen relevant because she is otherwise never talks, and what she's saying is like, otherwise you're on camera never talking, I'm making you relevant, and then that made me think, maybe this is getting into conspiracy theory territory, but then I thought like, well, Tamara and Jen knew each other, what if this whole thing was a ruse? To get Jen, Jen had tried out for the show other seasons and was not cast. So maybe this was like a whole thing bringing up the, I don't know. And that's me being a conspiracy theorist. I get that. I get that. That's on me. That's on me. Um, anyway, then um, Jen says, Look, it's easier for me not to react. She's like, I need you to stop bringing this up. Tamara says that Jen ruined her family for this player who fucked other people at the gym. Look, he's awful, but let's let it go. Let's let it go. But also, it's uh, Hip's mother-in-law also knows that Ryan's trash because apparently she goes to this gym. She's 78 and heard at the gym that he's a player too. So maybe Hip's mother-in-law might have fucked Ryan too. I don't know. Did she get the dick pic on her phone? Was she in the locker room? This Hip's mom was just at this gym locker room, probably got the dick pic. I don't know. She don't trust him. Anyway, Jen chooses him and Tamara says, okay, I thought we were over this and have moved on. Uh, hopefully we can move on now. Did I get that quote right? I don't know unclear. Um, Vicky says, though, that people have to figure out things for themselves. And then Tamara, at the end of the episode, calls out the fake labels, which I thought was just, I felt bad. And it was fake labels. I think if, like, Jen was a seemingly meaner person, then the fake label stuff would have hit different, would have landed differently. But it seems like Jen hasn't really said or done anything mean to anybody. So then I'm finding like it to be a gang up to feel uncomfortable. Whereas I think that's where the shift is with Heather Dubrow. Like I, they were all sort of gang. They do seem to be all ganging up on Heather this season. And I, I, it's never works when the whole cast is ganging up on someone. Although it seems like they just filmed the reunion and there were pictures of Heather and Tamara post reunion that seemed like they were in a great spot. So it seems like they made up post reunion. However, it never works when there's a gang up. And so the Heather gang up, we've seen Heather be an asshole. Even this season, we've seen her say things in her confessional that are mean to the other women. So I think it's a little easier to inhale that as an audience member when more than one person is going after someone like Heather Dubrow. Okay. But with Jen, I haven't seen Jen say not one nasty hash. I'm sure she has said something. But for the most part, I think Jen seems like a sweet kind person who's maybe misguided when it comes to her relationship picker. At least that's how I feel this week. Anyway, that's the end of the episode, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening. Pre-order my new book, The Jolliest Bunch, or get my other one. It's out in paperback, uh, wherever you get your books. And shall we do our cheesy little cool down? Do we need a little breather? Let's take a deep breath in. Deep breath in. 
and hold it. Breathe out. And let's take one more deep breath in and hold it. Breathe out. Love you all so much for listening. Stay safe. Also, if you want those uh, recaps of Sex and the City, I do them on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash everything iconic. And if you go to that page, you could donate $4 more per month and you get access to those recaps. I just do one a month. They're about 30 to 40 minutes each. I just do, again, one recap per month, which is not a lot. More importantly, the money supports the show. So um, thank you to everyone who's over there. And we have fun recapping them, too, hopefully. Uh, I do them by myself. They're solo episodes. But hopefully people enjoy them over there. And uh, thank you all for the support. Love you all so much for listening. Bye-bye.